four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Yes! Bearcat Blitz coming at you on a Christmas Monday. Neil Meyer and I, your host, Russ Heltman, your co-host right here on Bearcat Blitz Bank. This episode after an eventful recruiting week for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. They ink 21 members of the 2024 class along with, I believe, seven, yes, seven other transfers they are welcoming in, including the headliner, the new big man on campus, IU redshirt freshman quarterback, now UC redshirt sophomore quarterback going into 2024, Brendan Soresby. He's Neil Meyer. I'm Russ Heltman. You're listening to or watching Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network. You can catch us on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Throw us a five-star review. Subscribe. Please rate all that good stuff. It helps this podcast grow. Also, check us out on Talking Cats with Russ Helton YouTube page to find all the video episodes of this show. Throw us a little subscription there. Throw a like, comment. We'll uh, we'll try to chime back in on any of those comments on each show, as well as a weekly spot, multiple times a week, sometimes on a Bally Sports Ohio. Don't believe this show is going to air on Bally Sports, but our late week shows usually with a player interview mixed in tend to go there in that slot. You can check us out on whatever channel Valley Sports Ohio is for you on cable, satellite, streaming, TV services. Now it's all over the place as we get ready to tell you about Bet Online. The only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes and us at Bet Online with NFL bowl season and NBA in full swing over the holidays. Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up to second odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today to get into the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Neil, we're going to dive into a ton of Bearcats football topics today, a ton of chatter about the 2024 signing class on the transfer and high school recruiting side. But first, there was news in Bearcats basketball world that is still evergreen as we talk about it here and one that impacts the rest of the season and impacts the first true shot that Wes Miller had at bringing in a full-on basketball recruiting class in 2023. And the likes of Jizzle James performing very well, playing almost roughly 19 minutes per game and doing a solid job as a freshman in his opening run with the Bearcats. But Rayvon Griffith, the other headlining recruit, ranked just a few spots on most major services below Jizzle James, not going to play at all this year. Wes Miller confirmed on a 700 WLW weekly radio show that Rayvon Griffith is getting redshirted and will not play the rest of the year. It seems like a kind of good understanding between Rayvon, the coaching staff, the program in general, thinking for Jizzle James, there's obviously not as much competition ahead of him. There was only one true point guard on the roster outside of Jizzle coming into this season. When you look at the wings and the forwards, there's what, Neil, about four to five guys ahead of Rayvon Griffith, and it kind of feels like you put a pause on his UC career here, let him develop a little bit more, and then once Tyler McKinley and Tyler Betsy get to the fold next season, you can really unleash Rayvon Griffith and what will be a more youthful Bearcats team as we project today when it loses the likes of Odio Guala and John Newman III for sure after this season. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was something that Wes Miller and his staff really mentioned earlier in the season. Everyone was wondering what was going on after Rayvon Griffith didn't make the appearance in the first three or four games of the season. But Wes Miller was very open about it. He said he did not want to waste a year of Rayvon's young career if he wasn't 100% ready. Because I think a lot of people forget, Russ, that the basketball redshirt rule is a lot different than what it is for football. Not because four games in basketball. <laughs> no, it's immediately once you check in, you could be on the court for two seconds, one second even. Once you check in, your red shirt's gone. So I think this is a huge, huge opportunity for Rayvon Griffith to really develop. I mean, you're looking at the wing position right now. Seamus Lukosius is starting to play well and find his footing. CJ Frederick, John Newman, Dan Skillings even, you can throw into that mix as well. But there's four four guys ahead of him there at that that wing position and heading into conference play I mean your rotation is going to get thinner everybody knows that the rotation is going to get a little bit thinner and you can even testify Josh Reed in that in that conversation as well but they know that that rotation is getting thinner and for Rayvon Griffith it's huge because it's not only is it a huge chance to develop but it's a huge chance for him to develop and get right heading into next season, and you pair him alongside with a Tyler Betsy, a Tyler McKinley there in the 2024 recruiting class, and it it's going to be an exciting sight to see next year. I know a lot of fans are upset and wondering what is going on, but it's safe to say this was a mutual decision, and Wes Miller was very adamant during the whole process with Jamil Reynolds and Aziz Bandego that he did not want to take away a year of playing time for these young men, if they didn't need it, didn't need to be that opportunity taken away. But Wes Miller sees this as an opportunity to develop Rayvon Griffith, which is a huge opportunity uh, heading into next season. And it's going to be a key impactful decision for Rayvon Griffith. And I think it's only going to go up from here for Rayvon. Everyone knows the potential he has. But overall, from what we understand, this is a great decision just in terms of development because you look at the rotation there. It's nothing. People think there's so many speculations going on out there from what other people think, but that's not the case here. This was a mutual decision between both both parties, it seems. Yeah, and it's just you kind of run out of time to even get him on board at the end of the season. I mean, you got two games remaining over the next two weeks before you play at BYU. You're not going to want to try to just throw Rayvon out there for three to four minutes a game in co conference play once that starts up. Like, what is that going to really benefit him? How is that really going to benefit him when you could, in reality, get another season on the back end to utilize his services and be able to feature the best version, the more mature version of Rayvon Griffith for 30, 33 games, as opposed to 16 to 20 games here down the stretch in a rotation that you mentioned, Neil, like it is stacked full of guys this this coaching staff I think they eventually have to slim this rotation down to be the best version of this team in 2023-24 a little bit because I mean it, it's it's not full of experienced veteran talent to the level of a Houston or some of these other teams in the Big 12 that are playing eight to ten guys in their rotation right now roughly 10 to 12 plus minutes each and when you think about Jamil Reynolds, he's only played 22 minutes so far this year. He's going to get mixed in there. I mean, from Josh Reed up through Victor Locken and Jamil Reynolds included, that's that's 11 guys right there before Rayvon Griffiths even touched the floor. 
And that's with some guys missing time, obviously, as he's Bandago and CJ Frederick, their uh, their injury update, the latest from Wes Miller said it's not serious. And we should at least expect to get see them back by conference play at the at the worst case scenario for those two guys. So to me, it makes a ton of sense to let Rayvon Griffith just ultimately keep metastasizing keep growing in that practice facility and in the monster factory and then go from there but overall i can see it neil becoming a little bit of a head scratching move if this rotation continues to stay like long in terms of eight to ten guys getting consistent minutes and continues to have lesser wing play from the likes of guys like dan skillings and josh reed who I would argue at this point in the season, we haven't seen all the practices, obviously. You can't see what Rayvon Griffith's doing every single day. But to this point in the season, it hasn't felt like those guys are necessarily blowing the doors off of their their minutes that they're getting. Josh Reed, less so. He's not getting as much time to really showcase his skills. But Dan Skillings, like outside of one or two good games, I believe he had a good scoring output against Howard. It has been a nightmarish offensive season for Dan Skillings. He's down near almost 20% from three this year. He's not getting to the free throw line very consistently at all. He's just not impacting the game outside of the occasional consistent offensive rebounding acumen. And on this team with the amount of minutes that he's gotten so far, you got to start to see some development out of Dan Skillings, who is the first kind of headlining recruit that, that Wes Miller's brought into this program. And so far on the recruiting front of things, there's been a one out of four hit rate on the, the on the on the main guys that Wes Miller has played so far this year, and a one out of five hit rate if you want to count uh, Sage Tolentino right there. Obviously, Rayvon Griffith. We don't know what the hit that if that's a hit or not, but the other guys, Josh Reed, Dan Skillings, Sage Tolentino, and Jizzle James, out of those four, there's only been one guy making a true impact on the team consistently at a positive level. Yeah, and. You mentioned Rayvon, you don't get to see, we don't get to see what he does every day on in and out of the gym, but there has been games Russ, where we have left the facility 12 o'clock at night, 1130 at night. And Rayvon is all in the gym. Absolutely. Just putting up shots. And that's after games. So he's in the gym working. He's always the first one out for the before games as well. I mean, I've gotten to games two hours before and Rayvon's out there already warming up, putting in that extra work with Coach Morgan. So there's been a lot of work put in for a guy like Rayvon Griffith, but it's going to keep going. And people, I know that we talk about the speculation of, hey, why is this happening? But this was a decision that Wes thought was made best for Rayvon. And obviously with the rotation guys, Josh Reed's minutes have gone, gone down since the early portion of non-conference play. I mean, we saw it versus Xavier. I don't even think he played versus Xavier until the very end, the very last possession. And then we didn't see him much versus Bryant and Dayton. So, I mean, Josh Reed's minutes have always, they were there at the beginning part of non-conference play, but they are starting to shorten here on the back end of non-conference play because they are still trying to find that identity and that true rotation as they head into uh, Big 12 conference play here in just a short week and a half. So the rotation, I think they're starting to figure some things out, but it's going to be interesting to see heading into Big 12 play. No doubt. And to Neil's point here, people, Josh Reed has played eight minutes in the past three games, has gone over uh, has gone over double-digit minutes in five of the first six games, but has not played, obviously, double-digit minutes in any of the past three. 
he's just really struggled out there. Got a got a 46% true shooting percentage. That is disastrously bad. That ranks 10th on the team, just ahead of Dan Skilling's 45.3% true shooting percentage. Both of those numbers just unplayable. They're unplayable numbers on the offensive end. And Josh Reed, 12th on the team right now, just ahead of guys who have played less than 10 minutes total each uh, in, in total player efficiency rating. Reed with an 11.8 and Dan Skillings with a 16.2. That void by his rebounding acumen. But once again, he has to. Dan Skillings has to find a way to impact this team on the offensive end. If he continues to shoot 37.3% from the field, and I'm going to take a pause here, 21.9% from three, then it's just unplayable. A, a, a change has to be made, and they got to figure out the best option to go forward. Maybe you expand Jamil Reynolds' minutes. Maybe you expand some of those guys at the top end minutes a little bit more. John Newman, C.J. Frederick, Simas Lukosius, all those guys expand them by three or four minutes to work out Dan Skillings, who it's a tough yin-yang, seesaw, give-and-take thing for the staff because, as I mentioned, he was your number one premier recruit last year he's only in year two as a true sophomore you don't want to give up on him super quickly but also you got to start winning these big games as we mentioned on the show you got to start making some progress as a program in terms of putting up respectable results in huge moments that's a tough thing to seesaw right now when you're trying to let dan skillings develop and work through these issues but also at some point the chicken's got to come home to roost and you got to make a call when a guy is shooting as i mentioned 22% from three and less than 46% true shooting percentage overall, which as a wing, if you're below 50%, that's a glaring, glaring red flag. We got a red flag on getting to a break right here and we went a little too long on basketball, but Hey, it's basketball season. We got to get a, get our, get our hoops grind in as well. We'll look at the 2024 recruiting class for Cincinnati Bearcats football after this on Bearcat Blitz. Neil Meyer, Russ Elman with you right here on Bearcat Blitz. Catch us wherever you get your podcasts. We are on all those major feeds. Talking Cats with Russ Elman on YouTube as well. And Bally Sports Ohio on the traditional cable service there. Neil, 21 recruits cemented in this class for UC football. When we look at the overall rankings, 24-7 sports at Cincinnati at about a 53 overall. I saw ESPN was highest on the class with a 38 overall ranking. And when I kind of broke it down among all the major services and on three, 24-7, ESPN, and Rivals, you put those composite ratings together, they're checking in right around 49.75 average national ranking for this class. That's a little bit below what the prior, prior classes this decade have been. I think most of them have hovered in the low 40s range as opposed to the high 40s range here. How are we feeling about the recruiting acumen of this staff? And honestly, like, I don't even know if we can really answer that. But overall, did you expect the class to be a little bit more heavy on firepower, a little bit more heavy on four-star recruits, which there was only one composite four-star and cornerback Daniel James? And then Samaj Jones, the headlining quarterback recruit, has gotten four-star love on some services, but is not a composite four-star guy. How are we feeling about the recruiting status of this program right now heading into year two of Scott Satterfield. Yeah, I'm feeling honestly feeling great about this recruiting class right here specifically. If you great. ask me okay. 
Daniel James is a guy who could come in and make an immediate impact. I mean, he's two, ranked, I believe, right around the 250th mark nationally. This is a guy who has seen his recruitment skyrocket through his junior and his senior season. And, I mean, he was the guy who led the charge for Scott Satterfield in the Bearcats recruiting class. He was the first commit back in April of this uh, this year. And then he has stayed true to his commitment since then. He was one of those guys who you never had to worry about flipping. You never had to worry about honoring, going out, taking other visits. Like he knew this is where he wanted to be in the recruiting department. Cass and all of them have been on the grind nonstop since coming to Cincinnati. Jack Griffith, Cass, they have been absolutely hammering home the transfer portal and high school recruiting since taking the job here. And as you've seen on Twitter, the the sign, the hashtag Cass Never Sleeps seems to be true with how many kids that they are offering via transfer portal and high school recruits. But this is a this is an interesting recruiting class for many reasons. I mean, this we start with Daniel James. He is a guy the secondary struggled mightily last year for the Bearcats. And this is a guy who Scott Satterfield raved about earlier this week because of his athleticism, his blazing speed. I mean, he was one of the top track runners in the state of Georgia. And not many people know that, but he ran a 100-meter dash in almost 11 seconds. And a premier track athlete, you can do a lot of great things with at that defensive back position. But he's five foot 11, can really move, has great hips, great twitch. He is a guy that is going to be drawing a lot of attention there on the back end. But then you look at, you obviously talk about Samaj Jones. There, he, he will be early enrolling, so he'll be on campus in January, along with Brendan Sorsby. Brady Drogosh, Brady Lichtenberg. So you have all your quarterbacks on campus now that will be competing for that starting spot. I don't think the competition's really much of a difference because they bring in a guy like Brendan Sorsby, who still has three years of eligibility left, and they kind of know what they were getting with Brendan Sorsby, and there was a reason why they targeted him, made him a priority, and then locked him down shortly after. So I think we kind of know what to expect heading into the football season there at that quarterback position. But Samaj Jones was the guy that Scott Satterfield and them recruited heavily down to Louisville, said they loved the way the ball jumped off his hands. He has great size. He's a true dual threat. I mean, he's six foot, I believe six foot three or six foot one, 230 pounds roughly. So, I mean, two hundred. Yeah, added about 15, 20, 15, 20 pounds in the, uh, in the senior season. Yeah. So the Cincinnati from, she from, Early signing day has him listed at 220 at six foot one. So that's a huge weight uh, addition there. He's put on a lot of weight and a muscle, but this is a guy who's a dual threat, a true dual threat, can really do both passing and running. But the position I think I'm most excited for is that linebacker position and the tight end position. Because you look at the tight end play, obviously you see Shaman Mateer transfer out to California. Joey Belgian didn't even get to hit the field this season because he was injured from an injury sustained in the spring. And then Caleb Smith battled. Eric Falk went down for injury. So they were using a lot of different tight ends this season. But then you add two guys with big 12 size, arguably, and Gavin Grover and Devin Zahersky. And Gavin Grover, for anyone who hasn't watched the film, that dude is a definition of a Josh Wiley caliber tight end. Great size, six foot six, 240 pounds, can really go up and get the ball. Great hands. I mean, he's coming off a senior season where he almost recorded 1,000 yards. And it was just like, it seemed like every game he was putting up one or two touchdowns. I mean, I believe he finished with double-digit touchdowns this past season for Olin Tang in high school. So, overall, the tight end position is massive. And Coach Depp 
if you can develop those guys with Coach Step, I think Gavin Grover and Devin Zahersky have major upside there at that tight end position. And then you look at the linebackers, and man, am I excited to see a guy in Simeon Coleman and Monte Whedon play? Because, Russ, I'm sure you've seen it. Some of the highlights that overtime has been posting to Simeon Coleman. I would hate to be a running back getting stuck in that A gap and just meeting Simeon Coleman on the outside. Very, very intriguing names and intriguing talents to get to there. As I was, uh, I was mistaken. Daniel James is the one who is not quite a composite four star, and Samaj Jones is the composite four star in this class. So those two guys, kind of your headliners, and it's kind of interesting, Neil, because you could make a case that those were the two most impactful position groups last year on offense. When you think about how bad not how bad Emory Jones was, but just how low the ceiling was with Emory Jones and the Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback play, and then how bad, just flat-out awful, the cornerbacks were for Cincinnati football in 2023. They were an abject liability, and Daniel James is a guy. Uh, we'll get to it in, after the break, but I think he's got a legitimate chance to see the field early on in his career and, and maybe not go through a redshirt freshman season because it just – I mean – they haven't brought in a ton, Neil. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But Armani Arnold is really the only cornerback competition that's been brought into the room so far. There will be another cornerback addition. I can almost guarantee it once the portal opens up after the holiday season right around January 3rd and these guys can start coming back in. I would be shocked if there's not another cornerback addition added along with Kai Stokes, the safety from Ohio State who committed and signed with UC as well. But we'll get to all that in just a moment on Bearcat Blitz to close out the show, looking at the transfer portal hall for UC right here on Bearcat Blitz. Transfer portal hall so far. Russ Elvin with you all. Neil Meyer joining me as well. And Neil, we have obviously 21 recruits in the high school class, you're honestly hovering towards the bottom of the big new Big 12 with the rankings that they're sitting at across on three and 24-7 sports. I believe they're 11th or 12th out of 16 teams in an overall recruiting class ranking in the Big 12. It, obviously, the gems can be found somewhere, and I think it is a, going to end up being a pretty solid class. But at some point, this program and this is obviously just the second year in the Power Five, but at some point, you got to start bringing in four to five to six four-star players in a class. It can't just be one or two guys hovering around a four-star mark. I mean, Daniel James and and Samaj Jones are good players, no doubt, but it's not like they're slam dunk right near the top of a high four-star list. At some point, this team and this program – is not going to be able to rely on developing three-star talent up to a four-star level to be able to compete in the new Big 12. That's what you could do to dominate the AAC, but it's not going to allow you to dominate the Big 12 act or conducting your, your recruiting like that. And I know it is the first full class for Scott Satterfield. We'll see what they can get done in 2025. They're going after more big-name targets in 2025 than they did in 2024. So obviously room to keep growing there. But, I mean... The, the cliche holds true for a reason. Stars matter for a reason. you got to find a way to start getting some more of those high four-star talents, which has never really happened for this program. And maybe one day and maybe someday soon, you have to find a way to get a five-star, which has never happened for the UC football program. 
some guys that were highly ranked ranked and in, uh, in the high school ranks, but obviously did not ultimately have their college careers go out the way they wanted to in their first stops or second stops for some te- some teams taking on re- transfer portal names. Not for UC. They're mostly Neil going with guys that have multiple years of eligibility out of the eight incoming transfers, eight transfers, not seven. You have Kai Stokes, Brendan Soresby, Evan Pryor, Tony Johnson, Micah Coleman, George Gums, Ormani Arnold, all of those, seven of the eight. Jaden Perry, the only graduate transfer with no years after 2024 remaining, and he's the long snapper. That's a position you can replace pretty easily in the portal or in the high school ranks. It felt like a definite assertion and a definite kind of goal for this program and what Scott Satterfield told us on Wednesday of the ability to put work into these guys, continue developing them, and then also get another year to reap the fruits of your labor on the back end. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a huge thing he mentioned at his National Signing Day presser was that he wanted to bring guys in where he could get more than one year to develop them. I mean, Brendan Sorsby has three years of eligibility left. Evan Pryor still has years of eligibility left. Kai Stokes, Micah Coleman, George Gums, Tony Johnson. These are all guys who have multiple years of eligibility left. And that has been a key. That was a key talking point earlier this week in in that press conference was this staff is making it an emphasis that they want guys who will come in and have multiple years of eligibility left because we saw how it went last season. They were just trying to get a lot of pieces in that they could because the staff got hired so late in the season. So they were kind of trying to pluck things in and get what they could because it was a whole roster turnover. Basically. I mean, right. we they saw, needed, you needed receivers. You yeah. didn't really care if they had more than two years left, if they were willing to come. You were, you're willing to take them because you had nothing going into the spring last year. Yeah. And that's where I think it's different this year because you're looking at a guy like Kai Stokes, Evan Pryor, Brendan Soresby even, you have multiple years to develop them. But it's going to be interesting because obviously the secondary, we talk about it, struggled last year. So you bring in a guy like Kai Stokes or Monty Arnold, two, three years of eligibility left remaining, that's huge. But Scott Satterfield has also mentioned that they want to bring in guys with multiple years of eligibility left, but they also want to bring in good people. And that was one thing that really stood out to me on Wednesday, Russ, was how he talked about Kai Stokes. And he said, he is an exceptional athlete, but he said, man, I went home to my wife and just raved about how personable and how great of a young man he was. And those are the kind of people that Scott Satterfield and the staff is looking for to bring in to this program. And they have the opportunity here at Cincinnati. That's why they transferred. But it was a great fit, great people. And Scott Satterfield even mentioned that Dante Corleone, Corey Kiner, and Gavin Gerhardt are checking and some of the leaders are checking boxes on these guys that they bring in for visits and say, Hey, do they fit what we are building here? Do they fit the good character, the coachable, all that aspects that they are looking for? Check those boxes. I mean, Dante Corleone, Gavin and Corey have been hanging out with all the recruits. They were probably with most of these guys that came on campus and now signed and hosted them and really got to tell them, Hey, this is what this program is about. This is what we're building. This is the foundation that has been set. So overall, getting people with multiple years of eligibility is what they want to do. And that is what a lot of coaches want to do, because if you're looking in college football right now, the transfer portal is just flat out wild. And right now, if you can bring multiple people in with multiple years of eligibility left, that's huge, because then you don't have to worry about 
them transferring again if they're already on their second school because they would need a waiver or to be a grad transfer. So having that multiple years of eligibility is key. And that is a very good point for this Bearcats coaching staff heading into the uh, 2024 football season. We got about a minute or so, Neil. Let's take a quick look at the secondary additions. I think that's the most pressing position group. We've already talked about Brennan Soresby on the other side, and that being the most pressing position group for this staff to get for the program in general. It's the quarterback. It all starts with the quarterback. We've touched on Brennan a little bit, and we'll break him down more as we get closer to spring football. But Armani Arnold, undersized, but a dog. Four or five pass breakups last year, two interceptions, was very strong in coverage. He uh, he comes in at about five foot eight, 150 pounds. I'm very interested to see how that size translates to the Big 12. Are they going to ask him to to guard a lot of outside receivers, which is what he did in 673 snaps last year? The majority of those came on the outside for the Idaho Vandals in the FCS portion of the NCAA division ranks. Graded out at a 73.8 overall PFF grade across those 673 snaps, a 73.4 grade in coverage. So it's not like he was a great tackler and a bad guy in coverage, was really strong in coverage as well. Played mostly outside corner, as I mentioned, 33 tackles, five pass breakups, three years of eligibility, though. So this is a guy I think we should expect him to come in and get a decent snap share, whether that be at slot cornerback or on the outside. In the in this playing field at this level of the sport, I would be a little surprised if they put a five foot eight cornerback on the outside consistently, just depending on what matchup you get. But I like what I've seen from Armani Arnold when I've looked at him and his uh, his year this past year at Idaho. And then Kai Stokes is kind of on the flip side when we look at the safety position that they added from six foot one, 195 pounds. You mentioned his his character, and he honestly didn't get to showcase a lot of his football playing character on the field at Ohio State, has three more years of eligibility, was a four-star 2022 recruit, played just 10 total snaps on defense this past season, and had an 83 snap total in 2022, graded out at a 68.4 grade in 2022 across uh, his first season in college football. So I think there's a lot to work with out of these two guys. And when you look at both of them having three more years of eligibility, that's fantastic for Kerry Coombs and his staff to be able to work with. Yeah, absolutely. That is huge opportunity right there because not only does Kerry Coombs get the chance to develop these guys, he gets the chance to get them in here, and now he has two to three years to work with these guys. Yes, they have three years of eligibility left, but pending what may happen down the road, you never know. But if he gets the opportunity to develop them, that's that's the main thing is these kids are getting the opportunity to work with arguably the best defensive back coach and all of college football. I mean, you see what Kerry Combs' resume states in itself. I mean, double-digit first-round draft picks. You don't get to work with that kind of coach every day. So right. that is huge for guys like Armani Arnold and Kai Stokes to be able to get developed by a guy like Kerry Combs, who has such a prestigious resume. So that is a huge opportunity for those guys as well, as you mentioned going to be a lot of fun to see what happens in spring ball and how these eight transfers kind of slot in. I think the only thing definitively know is Jaden Perry is probably going to be your long snapper. And uh, and Brendan Soresby has a very high chance, very strong chance of being your starting quarterback. Although we'll see what Brady Drogosh, the two Brady's plus Samaj Jones, maybe some, I mean, crazier things have happened than freshman quarterback coming in and wowing the staff that had been recruiting them for multiple years. So we'll see what goes down as spring ball. We'll check in on the football program, of course, before then as well, when when all these other transfer portal commitments start coming in 
But back to basketball on the Thursday show. Hope everybody has a fantastic Christmas and a fantastic holiday season, whatever you celebrate for. Neil Meyer, I'm Russ Elvin. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network, presented by Bet Online. This is the second. 15 seconds left. Shot clock off. Four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.